Time once again for T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. It is a Thursday, June the 15th, 2023. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, alongside my longtime running mate, site publisher, Tim Watts. And Tim, we are officially two weeks into the migration to the On3 Network. I got to say, I have been nothing short of very impressed with how this transition has gone about and boy can't thank the loyal followers of BamaOnline.com enough right I mean these people have shown up loud and proud uh, over on on three. Oh yeah what's that song show uh, the on for my city these guys were, <laughs> these guys definitely put on I mean it's been a great I mean the merger the the posters that were on Bama Insider you know we knew a lot of them I think a lot of them had anticipated the move with Shannon's you know Lucky's ultimate teases every other month, but also there's some new subscribers I've been able to get to know. They've sent me some PMs, post with them, and everybody got along super easy, and um, it's just been good. I mean, it's been a ton of news, you know, with Andrew and Joseph and um, adding, and you know, with me, all three of us doing recruiting news. Charlie Potter, you, uh, you know, bringing you know some of the team stuff happening on. Jimmy's been really good with the message board always, baseball stuff and his opinion. You know, and Clint's doing the video, we're still figuring out. But really, you know, fantastic run so far. I've had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, the roundtable has been absolutely hopping, so we enjoy that as well. We'll get into the roundtable mailbag here on T. Watts and TR coming up a little bit later in the program. But you mentioned it, Tim, so much news to delve into as it relates to Alabama athletics. Most recently, the schedule reveal for the Southeastern Conference for the 2024 football season, of course, with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the league. A lot of intrigue into that program on Wednesday evening on the SEC Network. Now, first and foremost, I know it was historic in nature because you're talking about two brands like Texas and Oklahoma uh, making their way into the league. But for me anyway, as far as SEC schedule reveals, I think it'll be always hard to top 2020, man. That COVID year, when yeah. we went from thinking we weren't going to have college football, or at least the Big Ten tried to tell us we weren't going to have college football, to really an entirely different schedule than what was expected for that season because of COVID, 10 league games. Uh, I think it'll always be 2020 for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, that whole year was just special because, like you said, COVID. Uh, you know, the you know they were they were trying to say, hey, we're not all of us aren't playing, and the rest of us <laughs> like, all right, buddy. I don't know about you, but we're doing it. And they're like, well, we're just playing half a season. All right, we got you. But to me, I think uh, that was special because you know we wanted sports so bad. You know, again, that was the thank God for Korean baseball year for Timmy Watts. Uh, if that wasn't for that, I'd have went in. I drove my family insane. So that was a great year. But I was excited about this. I was. I tell you, I was more excited about the reaction to this because you have seen, like, you know, the the Texas Texas A and M game. I mean, you've seen a lot of people. You know, they're both fan base discussing that Georgia schedule. I mean, good grieving. You know, plus uh, everything. So I enjoyed the reaction more this year because we're seeing just you know a total different level. Of uh, adding those two, you're seeing a total different level of of, uh, of playing with those, you know, different teams from the, you know, Texas, Texas A&M again, the rivalry, Oklahoma being kind of like we've only seen them in bowl games. So the re reaction to me was the best part. 
Yeah, and so we'll get into Alabama first and foremost, obviously. And when you look at the home schedule for 2024 in SEC play, uh, you know, kind of what you would expect in terms of the Auburns, the LSUs, and the Tennessees, uh, those games will flip in terms of home and away from 2023 to 2024. No real change there. But as we learned earlier on Wednesday, thanks to Charlie Potter and the Bama online staff there, Georgia visiting Tuscaloosa. Uh, Missouri also in town in 2024, along with South Carolina. Uh, Those road games, LSU, Oklahoma, Tennessee, uh, a trip to Vanderbilt. uh, Three of those four certainly look uh, pretty challenging as well. Yeah, I mean, I like the schedule. When you look. Um, again, it's kind of being, going to be reflective of this last year. Their best teams, for the most part, uh, are probably going to be on the road. I mean, you're looking at going to Tennessee, going to LSU, and going to Oklahoma. All three should have the potential to be top 10, definitely top 20 type teams. Um, don't really know what to expect from Auburn. You know exactly where Georgia will be. They'll be a top three to you know top three type team. South Carolina, not sure what to expect with them, but they've sure been on the come up. Had a big year last year and uh, Missouri. So it was an exciting schedule. I mean, if I'm a season ticket holder, I'm probably not super excited. But then again, that Georgia game, if you had to choose, honestly, if you had to choose, would you rather go to that Georgia-Bama game or to Alabama versus Tennessee, LSU, and Oklahoma? If you had to choose one of those, what would you choose? Well, I'm going to go Alabama-Georgia. I mean, you're talking about really the top two programs in college football right now, in my opinion. So that that's where I'd start. But you're you're right. If you like the road game experience, 2024 is going to be hard to beat with New Orleans slash Baton Rouge, Oklahoma City slash Norman, Knoxville. And that's before we talk about Wisconsin on the road in Madison in 2024, Tim. Yeah, I just don't know. That was going to be some very loud crowds. You know, I'm not as familiar with Oklahoma. I know with the tradition, but I know Tennessee and LSU, they bring it, you know, especially, you know, for any game, but especially for the Alabama game. You know, you're expecting both of those teams to be very competitive. You know, they've got good coaches and having good recruiting classes. So, um, also, you know, you're expecting, you know, th- this year both beat Alabama. Next, you know, this next year you're hoping Alabama gets revenge. If that happens, you turn around and you got the reverse ring, revenge on the road. So, uh, it's definitely a, a, a formidable schedule, and um, it's, it's going to be an interesting season. But when I look at the SEC, all of them are. You know, all of all of, all of it's messed up for everybody. Yeah, I went out to Oklahoma in 2002 when Alabama went out there with Fran, and that was a hell of a football game. I mean, it was hot, very hot uh, afternoon there in Norman, and a uh, very physical game. Alabama was very much in it throughout. Uh, Oklahoma pulled it out kind of late there in that one. That was a fun trip, you know, going to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City's pretty fun town. Uh, do Friday night, get into Norman on Saturday. Uh, I think for some Alabama fans, though, Tim, the call in 2024, as far as the road trips are concerned, will probably be between Oklahoma and Wisconsin. You know, do I make the trip to Madison? Because that's a that's a one-off when you talk about that type of matchup. You got to think Alabama and Wisconsin, whereas uh, you're kind of anticipating that Alabama is going to be making some trips to Norman here in the in the future in the SEC. Yeah, I think for the travelers, I think Wisconsin's the pick because when, you know when are you going to get back there? You know when are you going to go there if that's not the time? So if you want to visit Wisconsin, that's the best time to go for the people trying to you know check off the the all 50 U.S. states or whatever the travel yeah. 
people. Um, Weather, too. Might yeah. be nicer in Madison, Wisconsin in September than yeah. it is in a lot of places down here. Plus, cheese curds. I mean, cheese curds in Wisconsin, Tim. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I would like to. I've never been there. I would love to visit. You know, you've got, you know, more than just, you know, the University of Wisconsin. you got the Packers. You probably can, you know, tour there. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of stuff you could do in Wisconsin. So, for me, a guy that likes to, you know, bounce around, I think Wisconsin would be the choice. Because, like you said, you can go back to Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. never know when you're gonna have another chance to get to Wisconsin. So if you got any Wisconsin curiosity, you know that's probably that's probably the time to do it. Yeah, I've been to Milwaukee, been to Green Bay, cool places up there. I haven't been to Madison. Um, and and it's not just football. If you want to go to Norman for basketball or baseball or hell, what about softball with Oklahoma coming into the SEC? You're, you're gonna have opportunities in other sports too. Oh, yeah. So you got that. Yeah. Year round. That's a good point. You got year round. You got, you know, you got women's sports. You got men's sports. Like you said, basketball, uh, plenty of reasons to go there. But Wisconsin, for me, for the traveler, mm-hmm. yeah, I would probably I would probably choose Wisconsin that one year because I don't know if I'll ever get there. Otherwise, I keep I've always wanted to go to like a Packer game, but never, you know, the season gets here and it's just hard to get up there. So um, but yeah, interesting. Add that game on top of the SEC schedule. Um, it's a, it's a heck of a, it's a heck of a challenge that year. So when you look at the rest of the SEC in relation to the 2024 schedule reveal, give me a team or two or a scenario or two that maybe popped out that stood out to you. I mean, obviously I was like everybody else. I was looking for Georgia's schedule. Um, and again, they play in the East. It's not their fault. The other East teams aren't super competitive, but when you look up and they, you know, obviously they're coming to. Alabama, they got to go to Alabama and Texas in the same year. That's pretty tough. And then they host Florida and Tennessee and Auburn. So that's 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 five games. And then you add Clemson. So that's a heck of a schedule for Georgia. I mean, that's the first one that jumped out at me. Um, also, the first game I definitely went and searched for outside of Alabama was where Texas and Texas A&M going to, you know, were they going to play? I was pretty excited to, <laughs> pretty excited to see that because I remember when they left, and I'm a message board you know, I'm a guy that reads all the message boards. I enjoy the fans, you know, for the most part. I don't like the, the jackasses, but I enjoy the discussion and the meltdowns and the celebrations. And I enjoy all that watching other teams, the fans, the real fans. And uh, that was a lot of trash talking when, you know, when they didn't, they they weren't going to play each other anymore. So there's been what, four or five, how many years has that been since they played? That's a lot of trash talking between two in-state rivals. And now, that game takes on a lot of importance in the state of Texas. So I'm pretty excited to see that one. But, you know, overall, I mean, it's what you expected, right? I mean, you look at all these teams, it was already a a crazy good conference. And then you jump in there and you add Oklahoma and Texas and Sarkeesian's doing a good job and Texas and them are on the rise. And this is what you expected. I don't really notice anybody just getting a cakewalk. Um, Florida to me, that's a huge year. 24 is going to be a huge year for me, for Billy Napier, in my opinion. You know, the former Bama wide receiver coach, great guy. And I'm curious to see what happens because I know he's going to get this year, but 24 is going to be a tough year for him. Um, and he's on the road with Georgia, Tennessee, and Texas that year. Plus, he's hosting LSU and the Aggies at home. So um, it's going to be an interesting year for a lot of people in the SEC. Yeah, and that's before you take into account Florida's non-con. 2024 Florida State Miami and Central Florida won't be a gimme I don't think for the Gators either so uh, they're sort of playing the Ponce de Leon Cup 
in state, I guess you could call it in 2024 to go along with, as you said, I mean, a couple of those home games are anything but gimmies. And if Lane's still at Ole Miss, uh, that won't be an easy game in Gainesville for the Gators. And, you know, it is interesting, too, when you look at Alabama and Auburn, man, you're talking about the two state schools that in 2024 won't play Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Neither of the Mississippi schools on the schedule for Alabama or Auburn in a couple seasons' time. Man, that's wild. I didn't even really notice that. That's going to sting. You know, the one thing, the build-up to the Ole Miss-Alabama game's always been fun for me. You know, the whole lane angle and the saving angle and the quotes to lead up to it. And he's, you know, he's not as trollish with Alabama. You know, he's kind of, you know, definitely more respectful about saving. Um, so that that is going to stink, you know. And you are you're so used to seeing Auburn, Ole Miss at like 11 a.m. every every well, at least <laughs> once a year, right? They play at 11 a.m. and it's always a wild and crazy game. So yeah, that is odd. But I mean, you, you're not going to make everybody ha- happy with that odd number 14. And um, I would love to know how they did this. I don't know, but I'd like they. To, I mean, you close your eyes and throw darts. I mean, that's as good as anything, probably. They supposedly took into account since 2012 when you know, A&M came into the league, um, you know, in Missouri, uh, win percentages uh, you know, for, for teams since 2012 in the league, tried to balance it out based on the top four, and then I think eight after that, something like that. They, they used a formula. Uh, based on those numbers since the last time the league expanded to come up with this. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at some of these on the hoof anyway, like LSU, LSU looks like it's pretty manageable for the Tigers with Alabama and Oklahoma in Baton Rouge in 2024 along with Ole Miss. And then on the road, LSU looking at Arkansas, Florida, South Carolina, Texas A&M. You know, that that looks pretty manageable. Uh, Again, though, the thing is, we're only a year and not quite a half away, and it's really tough to project uh, for a couple of reasons with the transfer portal being right at the top of that list. You know, we used to be able to look at rosters and think a year or so in advance. I, it, it wasn't easy even then, but it's almost impossible now. Yeah, and you're also like, we don't we don't really know how Oklahoma's going to be with Brent Venables. Imagine if Lincoln Riley was still there, you yeah, know, yeah. Williams and course he'd be gone by then but you look at all that i mean you're still looking at um i think uh, oklahoma had a losing record last year so i mean they're kind of on the you know trying to figure out their program so we don't really know where they're going to be in 2024 they could be a top five program or could still be struggling you know it's certainly not going to get easier uh in the sec so i think that's the key if you look up oklahoma's a top 10 program a lot of these schedules got a heck of a lot more hard a lot lot harder you know so right teams just to be determined like you said Lane Kiffin will he be at Ole Miss and um you know in the SEC two years is literally a lifetime I mean we, we could have five coaching changes between now and then pretty easily yeah so I was gonna say some lives get ended <laughs> from oh, a yeah. coaching perspective uh, pretty quickly in the SEC these days yeah, least, yeah you're right some of these coaches didn't even look at the 24 schedule uh, yeah like what uh, that matter that ain't happening. Yeah. No. You know, and so when you think about Alabama, I think when you when I when I look at these 2024 schedules, the one of the first things that comes to mind is okay, who's going to be the quarterbacks? You know, I, we we can wonder about head coaches too because that's certainly sort of an extension of that. Uh, but I got to think, 
all things considered, Alabama should be going into that schedule with a second year starter at quarterback, right? Because typically whoever becomes that guy as a first year starter, and sometimes it takes a few weeks, a few games to figure out like it did in 2015, like it did in 2016. Well, it took a couple quarters, I guess, in 2016. That guy is, if if he has multiple years of eligibility, he's going to be tough to move out of there. Now, look, Jalen was, the the one of the lone examples you'll find of that and that took an extraordinary situation involving Tua Tonga Viola for that to unfold so if you're thinking ahead to 2024 you, you gotta feel like as an Alabama fan hey we should have an experienced quarterback going into this gauntlet but the thing about it also is you're looking at a 2023 class that you know might be certainly one of the elite certainly one of the top five all-time Nick Saban classes which is saying a lot but you're going to see a lot of those guys up getting close to that sophomore and junior year. So you're going to be able to see a lot of that talent on the field as mm-hmm. well. So more mature talent. So you got to kind of like where your, where your roster is going to be set with back to back, uh, 22, 23, really good classes. And you're looking at 24's top three right now. It's a loaded in state year. So you got to like to think they're going back to back to back with pretty good classes. So that talent will be on display as well. But yeah, the quarterback situation, um, you know, you're either looking at a multi-year starter or a transfer who is a multi-year starter, basically for most of these programs. So um, I think quarterback is is, is going to work itself out going forward. So much coming online in 2024 with Texas and OU um, to the SEC. You're looking at SC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Interestingly enough, in that same season, LSU plays SC in a neutral site game in Vegas and will host UCLA. So an interesting schedule for Brian Kelly's team coming up uh, in 2024. So there you go. Your 2024 SEC schedule reveal. Some thoughts on that. And we're going to move around the different sports since we last spoke a week ago, Tim. And a lot has happened, certainly on the baseball front. Not only did Alabama Uh, take part in that super regional up at Wake Forest, dropping the first two games to end its really amazing 2023 season. But the anticipated news at the head coach position comes down the pike as Rob Vaughn making his way from the University of Maryland to the capstone. You know, that happened. You know, that happened. We were all trying to figure out where Grant Nelson was going. You know, we just looked up and had had a head coach. You know, I had to do a Google. I'm not very familiar. You know, I follow Alabama. I follow the College World Series, I follow the SEC, but looking at this guy, you know, his record, I mean, it's hard to argue with a with a guy that's been back-to-back uh, coach of the years in the Big Ten, um, 42-19, and 19, first, uh, uh, I read he was the, had the best for, uh, record in program history, you know, just, just um, when you look at the accolades, it's been very impressive. Um, I saw some guys, he had a guy that was projected in the Major League Baseball draft, so um, you know, that was important, but also obviously keeping, you know, Jason Jackson, I think was important. No doubt about it. A uh, multi-year deal for Jason Jackson to stay on board as associate head coach. And, you know, look, Jason Jackson probably going to continue to draw interest uh, as a head coach, potentially uh, at the division one level. So, uh, but should certainly help ease the transition uh, Vaughn from a Big Ten program down to the Southeastern Conference. Uh, obviously, the the concern from there shifts to the roster, where you kind of 
knew what you were going to lose in terms of your more experienced players. But then, then as we learned on Wednesday as well, we talk about a newsy few days, Colby Shelton, the outstanding freshman infielder, he of 25 bombs in his first campaign with the Crimson Tide, has entered the transfer portal. Um, also, I guess Bryce Eblen, uh, a sort of veteran experienced player, uh, taking that same path. I mean, all things considered, with the season that Shelton had, with the change at the the coaching position, uh, your level of surprise that a guy like Shelton would at least explore the opportunities that might be available to him. I mean, it's this, you know, baseball is such a, you know, I've said this for 20 years, it's such a ridiculous sport. I mean, you've got 40 guys dividing up 11 and a third scholarships. And, you know, if a guy's getting a third of a scholarship versus a full ride, I mean, that's a huge advantage. And um, I think that happened when Alabama had a, had the, uh, had a pitcher committed a couple of summers ago and he ended up at Oregon simply for a full ride factor in the NIL. And I can't fault these guys for going out and getting whatever they can get. And other programs, I think having advantages for scholarships and getting guys into school over Alabama, I still think Alabama university is going to have to give them a little bit of help and, you know, probably more NIL money out there. So I'm not going to fault any of these guys for uh, the way baseball set up to get what you can do. But I mean, that, you know, I think this is a case with Colby. It's a, you know, strike while the iron's hot, you know. I mean, it's he's going to be in, obviously in high demand and, you know, in the portal probably, you know, definitely I would think the best freshman in the portal. I mean, I'm not sure you can find somebody who hits more than 25 dingers uh, at 19 years old. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by anything anymore. You know, I know a lot of people saying, oh, this is running college sports. I actually think it's keeping me more interested. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's keeping me more interested and, uh, because you never know who's coming. You never really know who's going. You don't. And what's going to become more interesting, too, moving forward is uh, the, the tax status of these NIL collectives. And what we've seen here in the last day or so is that uh, it's looking like they're not going to qualify for tax exempt status. In other words, if you're a boner, uh, a boner, a booster <laughs> Or a donor, I just combined them there. Um, you're you're looking at a, a taxable donation uh, if you give to these collectives. So um, that could be something that that hampers the situation uh, a little bit at least. Now, look in terms of you know how that impacts the student athlete on the other side. We still have so much to figure out in terms of how all this is going to be regulated ultimately at the government level, let alone how the NCAA is going to try to uh, get involved here with the toothpaste clearly out of the tube already. So still a lot to sort through. But yeah, Colby Shelton, you know, this is a guy, as you said, going back to just how the scholarship numbers work. If I'm Colby Shelton, I'm in the portal just because I got to make sure I'm getting my full. If I'm Colby Shelton, the one thing I am getting moving forward is a full ride, right? I'm not getting a third. I'm not getting a half. Um, and I think it's a given if he stays at Alabama, I would think to him, I mean, it's the guy you got to fool, don't you? Yeah, I would think, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I know it's easier said than done. Like, I don't, you know, they'll say, and I, I was told there'd be no math on this podcast, but I have no idea <laughs> how you divide that up. I mean, 40 kids, 30 kids, I just don't It understand. goes quick, doesn't it? I, yeah. I, I just think they could probably get it. First of all, how do you come up with a friggin' odd number? 11 and a third or whatever it is. I mean, get, I mean, I would think 15's doable or 20's doable. Um, I imagine it's the same way for softball. So those girls are dealing with the same thing. Um, I just, I just don't see how it's fair to, you know, that 
the the athletes at either student athletes at either of those in those sports. It's almost like you're rooting against them. Yeah, the the revenues at places like Alabama and some other spots, Ohio State, I, I think I recently saw was over 200 million um, for the I believe it was the 2021, maybe 2022 calendar year. Maybe it was as recent as this year, but we're talking about an excess of 200 million in revenues uh, for an athletic program, athletic department like Alabama. Hey, um, Tim, I wanted to also ask you, I know this is kind of bouncing around a little bit, but you know, you got that elite 11 going on out in California. We got boots on the ground coverage out there, don't we? Joseph Hastings. Yeah. He's texting us for Jojo midnight. Cause it was eight o'clock or nine o'clock for him out there when he's hitting us. But Joe is wide open out there and, you know, like I said earlier, these guys, I mean, they get after it. I mean, I've enjoyed uh, – Joseph is like the Energizer buddy. You know what I mean? He's like Wiley Coyote. He is always – He's like us 20 years ago is right. what he is. Yes, he's yes, absolutely. He loves to get after it and, you know, did a tour of the state of Alabama. He's out there Elite 11. He's doing some stuff for us, obviously, and also on three. But uh, Julian saying he's – you know, just Joseph's posted some videos. He's did a good job. We had a uh, diary with Julian Sayan, who's one of the, you know, one of the elite quarterbacks and next year's class. He's holding his own. Andrew put up, Andrew Bone put up the uh, diary last night. So we've got a lot of coverage on that guy. And I'm telling you, he looks like, he looks like a character out there. You know, he looks like he belongs. You see that elite 11 footage sometimes, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, hey, I don't know about that. But this guy looks like he belongs. He's gotten bigger, which I think at first was my concern. I think it's the way the video was shot. He looks smaller, but he's you can see he's muscled up a little bit, throws the ball well, throws it quick. So a lot to like about him. I believe Charles Power of our On3 Network, along with Cody Belair, are out there. And they had their top performers for day one, which was Wednesday. And Julian Sayan was second on that list. Of 11 quarterbacks so uh yeah pretty impressive start you look at julian saying and i know you want to refrain from it because there are questions about his size he's a southern california guy very instinctive passer accurate but hard in some ways to get away from the bryce young comparisons i guess although bryce with that ability to extend plays um you know really stood out too yeah, I think that, yeah, when you look at him, and again, I mean, it's easy to, you know, I've noticed that every every quarterback from one star to, you know, to five stars, anybody under six feet is being compared to Bryce Young. I get it's not that easy. I actually think Julian's bigger than he is, um, you know, and it is interesting. You see Bryce, when you see him at the Lions practice, he really looks so tiny, man. It's, it's <laughs> uh, I mean, he looks, he looks small at Alabama. But he does look extremely small in the NFL. But, again, moved already up to the starting position. And uh, so, obviously, doing a good job. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to compare him. I think he's bigger than Bryce. But what I like about him, those California quarterbacks now, they come, they know how to pass the ball. I think they start passing at birth. You know, they're probably throwing stuff out of the crib to mom. But they go to the camps. They have the quarterback coaches and all that. The thing I like about saying is I don't feel like he's a robo quarterback. You know, we've heard that term since – uh, Marinovich was a quarterback. His dad sort of made him that, that great athlete. And, um, this guy looks like an athlete out there. He moves, he's fluid. He can throw the ball, not very robotic. He doesn't look like his mind. You know, you know, you see those guys learning to dance for their wedding and it's 
one, two, threes kick. You know, it's one, two, three. You see quarterbacks that you can see are mentally trying to go through the steps they've been taught. He's very natural. Footwork's very natural. His throwing motion is quick. His arm is accurate, and it's a strong velocity on the pass. Man, we see it more than ever. These quarterback coaches, these offensive coordinators, they literally incorporate improv skills into the practice plan now, right? It used to be, okay, three-step drop, five-step drop, seven-step drop, uh, out of the gun. But you see some of this drill work now where they literally uh, practice stuff that involves throwing off platform and you know, extending play. So it's really a different era for quarterback play, no doubt about it. You're right. When it comes to California, the, I don't think there are any wing T offenses out there on the West Coast. So we'll have continuing coverage for you there from Elite 11 with Julian Sand doing his thing with the top quarterbacks in high school football for the 2024 class. And uh, all right, Tim, we got to talk about Grant Nelson at this point, don't we? And it kind of took a while to get to him, but boy, you mentioned the newsy week we've had at BamaOnline.com. Kind of, kind of started with this guy, the transfer from North Dakota State. Yeah, I mean everything has been so quiet, you know, since then, and it happened so fast. I mean, you went from all of a sudden, and I didn't even realize. I mean, it's kind of funny. I I didn't even realize how people were going to go nuts because I was just sitting there, got a little scooped that he was visiting Alabama that week, Baylor and um, and Arkansas. And I looked up and, you know, posted on our message board. Dude, I had 50 people tweeting at me and giving me credit for that scoop and saying he's visiting. I had no idea. Arkansas had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I had Arkansas radio calling me and I was like, man, I had Arkansas people following me. I'm like, they're going to be so mad. Because I don't, <laughs> it's going to be the only time I ever mentioned Arkansas uh, on my Twitter. It's the only time you're going to hear it. But it was a big deal. I mean, people went, you know, obviously the Baylor visit uh, got canceled. He visited Alabama. They were on, you know, definitely on the the, the watch list, a million questions. I'm not even sure he landed before we got there. Is there a Grant Nelson update question from our guys? And then he went to Arkansas. Um, and then it just went dead quiet. You know, it was dead quiet for a weekend. And then Joe Tipton who does our national stuff reported he's expected to sign with uh, Alabama. I think that was on Monday and all heck broke loose. And here we are, you know, was it today, Thursday and nothing yet. So my guess is if we're, uh, we're looking at it, I think they're probably just, you know, checking off some stuff you got to do as a, as a, uh, as a transfer. I still think Alabama's in good shape unless something just absolutely falls through and he, he can't get into school. You know, I think that's, that's something you, you know, you just can't prepare for. But I think anytime you're dealing with a with a transfer, you're trying to, you know, you got to check those boxes. And that happened again. That happened so fast. Boom, boom, boom. He hit the portal. Obviously, a guy that was going to be in hot demand, a very talented player. So I'm like you and everybody else. I'm just kind of waiting it out. And, and uh, you know, at some point in any recruitment, it basically comes, you know, becomes a cliche. It is what it is, right? <laughs> you know, and. There's just nothing you can do at this stage other than wait it out. It's his decision. I still feel like Alabama's did a you know a great job in getting in there and selling him and and uh, you know his fit and you know Bediaco leaving and having a chance to play early. I think that all are, all factors into it. And it doesn't sound like Arkansas expects him to be part of their class, so that helps uh, you know feel like Alabama's chances are good. But then again, it's been quiet. And but he you know the thing about it is he never set a 
He never said a date he was going to commit. That's the thing I was trying to say. Like, he never – we thought he wanted to have a decision by this weekend, the weekend after his visit. He never said he would. We knew that he wanted to, and obviously that didn't work out. So we're just playing the waiting game, and this guy's talented enough to definitely just, you know, sit around and wait for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting to consider the possibilities with Grant Nelson on the floor for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, boy, you think about just the screen and roll game, right? I mean, he can come out high, set a screen. But the thing with Grant Nelson that would be different than Charles Bediaco is when Charles would set that high ball screen, you knew he was about to run to the rim. Uh, with Nelson, he's got that face-up ability. He, he can do that, but then he can sort of come off that screen and pop out, too. He can give you some pop and, and roll there uh, as compared to maybe Charles Bediaco. So hard not to be excited about the potential of this guy on this basketball team. The thing, the thing that stood out to me, and I know it's kind of, it's definitely a stretch. I'm not saying they're comparable. But if you were watching what Jamal Murray and Jokic did for the Nuggets, mm-hmm. You can see a little bit of that Quinterly and Nelson being able to do that. The passing, both pass well, both shoot well, both get to the rim, both have, you know, a mid-range, and both of them can shoot the three. So you can see them feeding off each other. And I know that 100% the Quinterlys would be extremely excited to play with Nelson. So you see that same kind of game from a guard and a big man. So obviously not saying there's, you know, they're as good as the Nuggets players who are two of the best in the – in the world this year, but I do see that kind of feed off each other as a possibility with those two. And so you mentioned the Denver Nuggets. Well, what are we looking at here with Jokic and Murray? I mean, you you buying into this potential dynasty talk or maybe calm that down a little bit? We've heard stuff like that in the past, maybe with teams like Milwaukee and some others, and it didn't really come to fruition. Or are you thinking that, uh, that that's a possibility? You know, the thing I was surprised about, even my a lot of my basketball guys that actually like basketball, because, you know, you got the guys that like basketball. Then you got the guys waiting for football to start back that have an opinion on basketball. But even my basketball guys were like, this isn't a great Denver team. And I disagreed. I thought it was an excellent Denver team. I mean, I think I had to point out, and you know, they have four top ten players. They got an MVP, a legitimate MVP. Probably could have been a three-time MVP, if we're being honest. And you had Jamal Murray, who I don't, I don't know if anybody was hotter in the world than Jamal Murray. That guy was as clutch as anybody's I've ever seen. Porter, uh, Gordon doesn't get nearly, Aaron Gordon doesn't get enough attention. So I believe they got those guys signed up. And the crazy thing is they've got some young talent. We saw the Christian Braun guy, from, I think he's from Kansas, come in and impact games. He's a rookie, you know, just out of the ball that he's coming, you know, out of, the, out of the blue he's coming in and, and you got guys like Bruce Brown and Bones Highland, who was a – well, I think Bones got traded. But you've got guys that they're coming in. And there's talk. You know, they made a move to get more draft picks. So I think it's an aggressive organization that understands – because most teams, let's be honest, most teams don't really understand how to, how, to, how to complete that dynasty. You know, the Patriots were good about adding parts and moving things and keeping those position players they needed around Brady – and a lot of NBA teams get their big three and think it don't matter. I mean, we saw that with the Lakers. The Lakers had, you know, they had AD, they had LeBron, and they had uh, Russ. They had their big three. They thought the rest of the team didn't matter. It absolutely did matter. Then they traded Russ, got several parts, and uh, made a run to the NBA Finals. So definitely the move. So I think it's a very complete team. 
Um, I'm not a Nuggets fan. I'm a Pelicans fan, but I appreciate it. It's kind of like Tim and Travis old school basketball, you know, where we would see Moses Ballone or Barkley or Dr. J. And then, on, you know, we'd have a, a Doc Rivers type guy sitting over there or a Cunningham on that team. You know, you look at those old NBA teams and they each had eight all-stars. You know, there's only six NBA teams back then. But uh, this reminded me of those old NBA teams where you you didn't really have a big three. You had a couple of big stars, and you had a bunch of really good players around them. Yes, you did, and those were the days. Um, and it was it was grassroots if you did have a big three, right? I mean, if you had, say, Bird, McHale, and Parrish, you know, that, that all came from basically – uh, the draft process, uh, you, you don't have the movement like you have these days. And, and obviously on the heels of another season and the immediate aftermath, you start to hear rumblings about acquisitions that could be coming down the pike. I guess Bradley Beal, uh moving on from Washington uh, is a real possibility at this point. So uh, that'll crank up very soon. No doubt about it. Talking with Tim Watts here on, on T Watts and TR, part of the Bama online podcast and tim before we get into the mailbag we also know june is a crazy month when it comes to alabama football recruiting the official visits uh continue on the camps continue on uh kind of give us a quick summation of of where we're at here mid-month in june from that perspective i think this you know to me i'm still adjusting to all these june officials because it's, it's kind of blended in when you have that you have the campers, you have guys unofficial visits, you got the officials. This is obviously a huge weekend. You've got Demarcus Reddick, the Georgia linebacker commit, who's been a frequent visitor to Alabama. Also looking at Auburn, you got Sterling Dixon, that longtime Alabama commit. Well, he committed in December, I think, and he's taking visits to LSU and Auburn. It's a chance for Alabama to try to lock him down. Jalen Mbakwe, who to me is one of the most exciting prospects I've seen the last decade. He just is fun to watch. His highlight tape, along with Jeremiah V. So you got a lot of uh, Beeman. You got a lot of commitments on campus, but also you got some big name guys like Daniel Hill from Mississippi, um, Colin Simmons from Texas. That's one to watch. The five star guy, ranked top. I think Charles Powers got him ranked top five nationally, <clears throat> and he's got a. I don't know what's going to happen, but his official visitor list <clears throat> and his favorite list is pretty spread out. So I think he's. You know, I think when you look at him, he's going to be pretty much wide open. So there you go. It just continues on, and we're going to have all that coverage for you, of course, right there at BamaOnline.com. What do you think, Tim? You uh, ready to jump into this mailbag that we like to to get into on a weekly basis here on the program? We always appreciate everyone who takes part in the mailbag. Yeah, for any of you wondering, all you have to do is go to the roundtable Travis posts a thread. You can ask us what you want. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, off topic. Doesn't necessarily have to be about sports, but we enjoy them, whether they're sports related or, um, you know, off sports topic. Yeah, we're going to get into some off sports coming up here because I'm pretty sure I have watched the worst show ever in the history of HBO slash Max, whatever uh, you want to call it these days. So we'll, we'll do some of that coming up. But Jared Burns first here. In the mailbag, wants to know just how crazy will that visitor list be when Georgia comes to Tuscaloosa in 2024, Tim? Oh, bananas. You know what I mean? It's bananas. Probably similar to the year LSU visited Alabama, that 9-6 to game. 
uh, was that 2011? I think that probably similar to that. And if you remember, that was like, who was there? Like Jeter and, and, uh, wasn't LeBron at like the, one of the LSU games too, I think. I mean, yeah, Trump at the, yeah, Trump at the LSU game in 2019. That, that was about as crazy as I can recall. I remember us talking, like, especially in 11, you and I were like, I, it almost was a disadvantage to have the, uh, to, to be the home team in that game because there were so many celebrities that you had to deal with all week. So you're a 19, 18, 20 year old kid and you got famous people walking out to practice. It was natural to be distracted. I remember distinctly us talking about that, that maybe the home, the visiting team didn't have to deal with that because they weren't there that year. Um, but obviously, but yeah, I think it's going to be epic. I mean, I think that you're going to have, I mean, you got two of the top three programs in the country, throwing Ohio State in there for sure. You got two of the top three recruiting teams in the country, also throwing in Ohio State in there. But in the South, it's Bama, it's Georgia. There's not many kids that don't mention those two. So all eyes will be on that game. The visitor list will be through the moon. I imagine it'll be a night game and, um, yeah, I mean, I just can't imagine. I mean, I think the list is going to be too long for them to to get everybody in. Bama man for JC in the mailbag says, watching last year's highlights, I am still amazed at how good Brian Branch was, but he rarely gets talked about. We talked about him a pretty good bit here, I think. With his skill set, do you think he is the hardest guy to replace on the back end of the Alabama defense? Yeah, I'd go with that. I mean, Brian reminds me kind of like, you know, we talked about this, but Xavier McKinney never got enough. Um, Xavier McKinney never really got enough respect, I thought, nationally for what a great football player he was. Brian kind of had that impact. You know, you'd see him blitzing. You'd see him covering guys out of the backfield. You'd see him, um, you know, obviously making tackles, you know, you know, sideline to sideline. So, for me, I think for sure he's the hardest guy to replace. But, I mean – you know, he's a freshman, but you got a guy, if you're looking at a guy that can possibly replace him, I think Caleb Downs is probably about as good as you could expect to try to replace a guy Branch's caliber. Yeah, very talented young player. Uh, I like that Alabama was able to go get another quality option at that safety position and corner, I think. Boy, you know, I watched more of Trey Amos from last season at Louisiana. This is a dude that can lock people up. Uh, in man coverage. So, you know, his arrival gives you some more options also at that star position. Even if Amos doesn't play star himself, it frees up a guy like, let's say, Earl Little Jr. to be able to focus more so, if not entirely, on that star position. But there's no doubt. Just in terms of being a tackler that you could depend on, um, you know, Brian Branch is, is tough to to replace and you know Jordan Battle helped in that regard to DeMarco Helms. Um, those are good players, but I would have Brian at the top of that list, no doubt. Darth Crimson checks in here in the mailbag in response to the branch uh, commentary, and and he sa- he says I think Earl Little Jr. can fill Branch's shoes. Uh, I would be more comfortable in saying certainly in time I, I can envision that for Earl Little Jr. Uh, but I think in week two, when you go against that Texas offense, I don't think you're going to feel as sure about things at the star position, especially uh, as you would with with Brian Branch in there, Tim. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that I agree that you've got some guys. I'm a huge fan of. I know you are too, Earl Little. 
But I just think that experience, I mean, that was a three-year, you know, that's a three-year starter. Great job by the Bama staff with the evaluations, you know, took a kid out of, you know, took a kid out of Georgia and, um, you know, wasn't really that highly recruited when Bama went on him. So just overall a great um, recruiting effort. And again, you can't, you know, that experience is, is just so key. So um, yeah, it's definitely hard to replace. No doubt about that. And then we get more from uh, Darth Crimson here who says Barry is a good TV show on HBO. Uh, We obviously are big, big fans of Barry as we talked about it. On multiple occasions, Tim, here on the podcast, Darth's sad to see it go. Uh, Nah checks in, says, I was a Barry fan throughout the series run, but if I'm being honest, the last season didn't really do it for me. I think Succession did a better job wrapping up, and now it's time for season three of Kenny Powers Goes to Church. Of course, he's referring to the Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, I mean, I love that show. It's funny. I did. I thought it was going to be an acquired taste type show, yeah, like the Gemstones. But all my kids liked it. My youngest son and I watched it. And he was rolling. Um, I didn't expect everybody to like, you know, because it's so over the top. And oh, it's crazy. So yeah. good. I don't. I disagree with Barry. I think though, anytime something's ending, you know, I think it's 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 going to be a letdown. I do agree. Uh, succession closed strong it closed it you know it left me with a mad at everybody feeling which is really what succession was about you really didn't really like anybody you didn't have anybody to root for you know what I mean it's like your two worst teams are playing each other the teams you hate the most and it was like that but I do think it had lulls in it I mean there was times to me where it wasn't it was uh it took a minute to set something up but Barry to me I mean it was I get why some people might not love it. I mean, it has some slow motion, uh, so, slow moments in it and uh, trying to set up the, you know, the big finish. But, you know, to me, I, I loved them both. Tell us about your uh, world's worst show. This is what I want to hear about. Yeah, the idol. I, I don't know if you've seen it yet. On Just uh, when you told me this. Oh, I clicked on it. You know, well, you know, doing the, the, the TV viewing with the wife. So trying to find something, right? Um, that that might be uh, entertaining, uh, grabbing for both of us. And it's the weekend. And it's like Max basically just went to the weekend and said, or he went to them and said, here, I've got this show. I've helped write. I want to be the executive producer. I'm going to star in it, all these things. And Max, just without any sort of vetting process, said, yeah, yeah, let's let it rock. But it, it centers on kind of this uh, Miley Cyrus kind of star, I would say, uh, in Lily Rose Depp plays uh, Joss in that role, the daughter of Johnny Depp. And then you've got The weekend in it as a club owner who's sort of a uh, nefarious type, I guess you could say. Uh, just, just not good for me anyway. I watched two episodes. I hung in there, Tim. Um, I see online that the reviews haven't been great either from a fan perspective. I'm not going to ruin it for anybody else. Look, if you want to check it out, check it out. But for my money anyway, Tim, I, I can't recall a worse new I'm show. You, I'm going to tell you a hidden gem that I really don't hear anybody talk about. It's called The Other Two. Have you seen this on HBO? Oh, it's funny as hell. Dude, I, 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 I that show. <laughs> Why people aren't talking about this? This show, I think that's a Lauren Michaels thing, right? Um, it could be because it's got Molly Shannon in it, who yep. kept telling you, she, yep. 
she's going to be great. You know, you got people popping in like Kid Marino. Um, I think most <laughs> people recognize him from uh, from Kenny Power as well and other stuff. Wanda Sykes just out of the blues popping in there. She's hilarious. And the whole setup is like it is comic gold. I mean, you have a younger brother, I guess, is supposed to be similar to like a Justin Bieber type. And then you got the older two siblings that aren't really living up and it's about their struggle in New York. And, you know, the comedy stuff goes with, but Molly Shannon, she's gold. Wanda Sykes is hilarious. Oh, she's, yeah, she's in the show. Yeah. She's in one of my favorite, uh, Larry, my, I mean, in my Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes called Crazy Eyes. That's one of the best, uh, 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 episodes ever on Curb. But yeah, she's great and everything she's in, but I'm telling you, if you're looking for an HBO show, if you need a show that's pretty much family friendly, especially for teenagers and up, that to me, like it's hilarious. And if you're new to it, there's a ton of episodes already. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They are rolling. I think they're in the middle of season three, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe four. I think it's three though. But yeah, I mean that's. I, I I was thinking about that when you said you found the worst. I said well, I found a pretty good one. I just don't hear many people talking about it. No. And, uh, it was kind of surprising me because it is. It is. It's uh again Molly Shannon. I, I mean she's. It's hard not to laugh at her. You know what I mean? She's. She's uh, great. She, yeah, she just can, uh, what was the, uh, sweaty balls episode? Yeah. yeah. Alec, Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Come on. Are you kidding yeah. me? Sweaty balls. Yeah. Is, is People a, can't uh, wait to get my sweaty balls. In yeah, that was, in Alec Baldwin. <laughs> hey, I don't care what you think about Alec Baldwin, but that dude on Saturday Night Live was great. He nails he it. Was yeah. great, handled it great. So. Oh yeah. As a host, no doubt about it. To counterbalance the worst show ever is the pretty solid show ever. So worth a shot for you guys. Look for something. Two thumbs, two thumbs up for the other two. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm with you on that. And safe. Tied still here in the round table mailbag. Uh, asks to please explain how Alabama's NIL collective works, money to the player, sports included, independent opportunities, etc. That's a great question, and I think it's an evolving situation because they had an initial setup with, I believe it was High Tide, uh, that, that was the initial collective. That was phased out for Yay Alabama that's in place now. I know there's a subscription uh, situation that Yay Alabama has based on content, things like that, where uh, supposedly 100% of the proceeds go to the student-athletes in the athletic department. Um, as far as donations and uh, how much of that goes to uh, the student athletes, I, I think there's probably an administrative fee uh, or, you know, some percentage, small percentage that goes to, you know, maintaining and upkeeping the collective from an administrative standpoint. But yeah, you're talking about putting a good bit of money into the pockets of the student athletes. As far as independent opportunities, Sam, my understanding is, a lot of these more prominent student athletes, regardless of the sport, they have representation now, just like they would if they were professional athletes and they were looking to cover themselves from a marketing perspective, right? Yeah, I can't blame them for doing that. I mean, I've definitely heard that with, you know, even some recruits will have representation. I mean, look, if you're negotiating an NIL deal, I'm not sure I'm not equipped to do it. I would need somebody to help me to do it. All I know is to keep asking for more. You know what I mean? So they quit. <laughs> I think these people, especially the parents, I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine how confusing it is for them to have, you know, be dealing with this. So 
having representation makes sense. I still don't understand the NIL. Now, like you said, it's evolving, so I haven't really put a lot of effort into it. Um, I still think there's going to be somebody, you know, I still think they're going to try to reg. I think it's going to be funny, but I still think there's just going to be some kind of attempted regulation at some point. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of, a, again, the genie is out of the bottle, and now let's try to address it. But that's kind of where it is. And as we talked about earlier, the, the tax exempt status for uh, collectives, uh, how that might look moving forward could certainly play a a major role. Tide still also asking any insight on Pat Mur- Patrick Murphy hiring a hitting coach for Alabama softball. I do not have any insight on that or any info on that. Uh, I know uh, previously, you know, part of that has had to do with what you're allowed to have in terms of staff size, um, full-time assistant coaches. And then Tide still most importantly wants to know, Tim, what is your favorite sandwich? Um, my go-to, like at a sub shop, it's always going to be the Italian. Mm-hmm. I think you mm-hmm. can it up. You know what I mean? I think you're pretty much three meats, lettuce, tomatoes, maybe onions in the dressing. So that's always my go-to move. But I tell you, you know what they had like in New Orleans? They have the the they had the po'boy, roast beef po'boy with debris, which is mm-hmm. really good. Um, that's when it comes with the you know a lot of the a lot of the gravy and a lot of the meat that's falling off of the thing just that loose meat um, that's definitely one of my favorite if I can get it you know if I'm in a good po' boy place. Man, it's hard for me to pick one. I I love a good chicken salad sandwich from a golf course. I'm very specific. <laughs> there you go. Chicken salad sandwich from a golf course snack shop or hut boy that's hard to beat recently was in chicago we both love that town for food as we know tim Absolutely. and we went to mr beef which is kind of the origins for the show the bear right which we're getting a season two i think here coming pretty soon um and had an italian beef had their italian beef and fresh roll fresh beef They'll, they'll dip it. If you ask for it juicy, they dip the whole sandwich with the bun, the roll, in the, in the au jus. Um, got it with the sweet peppers, Tim, and the provolone. That one surged up pretty high on the list. The yeah. Mr. Beef in Chicago. Yeah, we've had those in Chicago. I don't know if I've ever had them anywhere else. We've actually ordered from, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the place, but it's pretty popular. It's Owls? Huh? Was it Owls? No, I, I don't. I don't. Can't remember. I will remember as soon as we get off. And I Portillo's. Do. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. We Hot got. dogs too. Yes, yeah. we've had them. We've had that ordered. Obviously, it's better there, but it's really good. You know, even sent to you. It's like Katz's Deli in New York. You know, Manhattan mm-hmm. that sent to us. It's not as good as there, but it's it's still better when I'm gonna get just locally. So, but yeah, that that wrote that that sandwich, that beef sandwich was amazing. You know, obviously the Chicago dog. I mean, we. I mean, literally had the best hot dog as a sandwich. Then is that yeah. what you're telling me? Okay. No, I was going to say also the pizza in Chicago. I was just running through the the Chicago big- greatest hits. Yeah. Yeah, those uh, that those are all amazing. We haven't been in like six or seven years. We sort of fallen in love with New York. They still are a trip every every time. But uh, yeah, Chicago, you can't you know you can't beat it. You know, as far as you know, go to Mr. Beef the next time you guys are up there. Try to give that one a shot. And the uh, the fries are hand cut, too, by the way, at Mr. Beef. Yeah. 
plus if you like the show the bear it, it it's like walking onto the set when you go in there so that a few people haven't seen it any of y'all haven't seen it, it's worth a try it's on hulu it has lip for it for for anybody that was saw shameless which is awesome. a <laughs> great show too a great show i mean macy was just freaking phenomenal in that great show but it stars lip and it's 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 well worth a watch very interesting show and like you said season two's coming back tampa tide in the mailbag uh we already touched on grant nelson but that was his question how about uh the apparent, the apparent issues, issues with, with nelson's official announcement and any insights into how Alabama sold him versus Arkansas's pitch. I think, you know, the funny thing to me about the NIL, it's always been, the money's always been the boogeyman. It's not just the NIL. It used to be they're dropping a bag. He's dropping a bag. Now, sometimes bags are dropped, but more times than not, they're probably not, especially bags with 200. I think the movie Blue Chip really messed a lot of people up because that guy showed up gave him a tractor you mean that's not real tim i mean dude got a tractor in the front yard and then dropped a bag a literal bag off on the front porch full of cash uh i think it would have to be more discreet with that than that to funnel it to him um but yeah i mean i know the nil talk was just crazy i mean it was you know the nil is the boogeyman it reminds me last year if you remember james smith and quay russaw it was constantly Auburn had all this money just to pay them. And I kept saying they can't give two players their whole NIL. They got to, you got to take care of the players on campus, for instance. I mean, they, you can't give two freshmen all your NIL money and lose your 83 other scholarship players. So, but with Arkansas, we heard a lot of the NIL talk. I think for Bama, the biggest thing was playing time and system, which we were told was super important. And there's no denying how he fits in the Alabama. And that's got nothing to say he doesn't fit in another system. I'm just saying he fits in the Alabama system. And you can't argue that the playing time's not there for that kid. So that I think that was their biggest sales pitch. Uh, Taylor E39 in the mailbag. Running back pecking order for Alabama in 2023 with rushing attempts per player. Getting granular uh, with that running back situation. Tim, I... Look, I, I, I and we've got a great feature, by the way. Charlie Potter right now at BamaOnline.com with Justice Haynes uh, with a deep dive on the freshman running back. You need to check that out immediately at BOL. Uh, and there's no doubt, Justice Haynes, you expect him to be very much involved in that mix. But I'm still thinking that if Jace McClellan can stay healthy, I can see him being a guy that's 12, 15 carries a game, Tim. Yeah, him or Jim, one of them's got to be that workhorse. You know what I mean? Obviously, Jess is going to be in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see uh, um, Richard Young get in there. And we're forgetting about uh, Roydell Williams. Roydell, yeah. Got to have somebody's got to be the workhorse. You know what I mean? So who's going to carry that ball first and ten from your own three yard line? That's the guy I think is going to lead the team in carries because you can bring the rest in rotation and work them in, work them out in different positions. But to me, that first and 10 carry from your own three yard line, to me, I think it's Jace or, you know, Jamarian as the most likely candidate. Interesting. How about that? I think it's a great problem to have if you're Rob Gillespie right now. And look, it's an offense that you expect to be more running back centric than it was a year ago when Jameer Gibbs presented that big play ability and, uh, I think as much as anything, 
sort of eliminating the gaps in the run game that you had a year ago. You had explosive play, then you had empty carry, empty carry, empty carry, explosive play. Look, you want all the explosive plays you can get, uh, but you had too many empty carries a year ago. That's what I agree. I agree with that. You had too many. You know, because the one thing about Bama backs, you're used to them falling forward, you know, getting behind their pads, moving the chain. So you didn't expect a lot of minus two, minus three, or even just no gain at all. Uh, I think that's the key to eliminate it. I mean, we saw, we discussed this before. We saw some fourth and ones where they couldn't get a yard. Um, you know, I don't think that's the norm for Alabama football. With this roster, I don't think it's going to be the case uh, next year either. Especially, you know, depend. You know, the thing about this on short yardage now, you have three quarterbacks contending for the starting job. Who can tuck it and run? Mm-hmm. You've got three guys that you can bootleg and make a play, or, or uh, you know, you know, you know fake the handoff and roll out. You got three guys that can do that. So that's another added up. Not to say Bryce couldn't do it, obviously, but you didn't necessarily want Bryce running around there any more than you, than you had to. No, uh, I agree wholeheartedly with that in the mailbag. CEH for Bama says, if you like the office, check out jury duty on Amazon prime. I haven't checked that out. I'll have to do that. If you, I'm sure you have Tim. I mean, come on. You know, I haven't. I mean, the kids, I mean, I was actually kind of proud of my kids because they were saying, we're watching Jury Duty. And I'm thinking Pauly Shore movie. I'm like, these kids are actually branching out, checking out an old Pauly Shore type movie. And what's the show? Well, I did watch the final two episodes and it's rather, (laughs) it's rather absurd. I'm going to go back and watch it with my wife. Uh, It is funny. It is a surprising, um, I think you would, uh, you would appreciate it. Uh, because it's kind of like, okay, everybody's an actor, but the one guy and they're the jury, they're the jury on a trial. So they're kind of leading this one guy where they want him to go. Uh, when I was an actor, I forget, I forget his name, but you would definitely recognize, let me pull him. You would definitely recognize that guy. So it's kind of like, like they were explaining like, no, nobody knows who it is, but this one guy, it's a James Marsden and he's been in some stuff. You'll mm-hmm. definitely you'll definitely recognize a good looking, too good look. One of those guys too good looking makes you hate him. But he, <laughs> he was in Westworld. I don't know if you've seen that. Dead to me, some of that stuff. Uh, he's been all over when you look at him. But it's kind of that's the setup is that one guy, they're kind of leading him through it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's worth watching. It's worth watching. We watched the last two, so I know how it turns out. But I realized I can go back and start over and watch it and still not um, – and still pick, you know, pick up some new things from it. Speaking of movies, there seems to be this fascination, Tim, with some of our subscribers and pals there at the round table for this sort of like news crew showdown uh, <laughs> featuring Bama online staff. You know what I mean? Like Ghost of Bryant here, for example. If uh, Travis Ryer and Charlie Potter were in a, ca- <laughs> a cage tag team match against Joseph and Clint, who would win and what would be the finishing move? Also, how many beers would Jimmy consume watching said match? There's this, it's almost a fixation. They want us to, they want us to square off like an anchor man or yeah. something. You know? The easiest answer is to Jimmy, but the beer, the answer is a lot. I don't know if it's <laughs> a fight or a 60 minute fight. Jimmy's going to get his drink off. I know, him that long, I know he'll do that. Yes, is the answer to that. I mean, How many beers? Yes. Oh, Joseph's one of the nicest human beings on earth. 
Potter's never. Well, I mean, Potter's Potter never going to take the effort to fight. He's just going to walk away. He ain't got time for you. I'm going to be like Andre the Giant at the very end in a tag match, where like uh, you, two seconds after I'm in, I'm hot tagging out. Right? I mean, poor Potter in that scenario, he's going to take a beat down because I'm an old man. What am I going to do against these young guys? I'm done. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to go over with Jimmy and start downing some bullets is what I'm going to do. I just feel like Charlie would walk in the ring and he's that guy that just walks out. Charlie ain't wasting a lot of his time. No. He, he ain't no. wasting a lot of his time. If you haven't really morally offended him, I think he's just not going to, you know, he's not going to give you the time of day. Clint, Hilarious Clint's one of the nicest guys too. So, yeah. I don't know who would win. I know who'd win in that scenario. It'd be Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah. Best buzz. And uh, he's the happiest of all five. Absolutely. Speaking of Jimmy's slipping Jimmy here in the podcast mailbag says, I know TR's juices really get going talking about kickers <laughs> with that. Will, will, he's not wrong. I like talking I about he's it. 100% right. Hey, that gives us a little, little edge on the competition you know that specialist talk um will will reichard end his bama career as the best kicker in school history who will he have to beat for the number one spot yeah i I would say he will um you know i know that for for a lot of people it'll still go back to the miss late against tennessee and as i've said many times before even with kickers like adam griffin Griffith and some of these other guys, you know, we remember those kicks that they don't make, but we forget about the five Adam made in an iron bowl. We forget about, um, you know, some of the ones Adam made that helped extend games like a road game at LSU in 2014. Same with Will Reichard. You know, Will made a huge kick late against LSU, um, made some big kicks throughout his career. So I think if he maintains that sort of consistency, that we've seen from him the last couple of seasons he's he's going to be a tough guy to, to knock off the top of that perch if there's a if there's a next guy up for me I mean, it's always going to be Van Tiffin I I know you can go look back at Van's numbers and think ah you know they were they were good um, but the iconic kick against Auburn in 85 no one's ever going to forget that especially the old heads um, and so it kind of kind of goes from you know, Lee Tiffin was a good kicker uh, in his time. So you've had some good ones. Philip Doyle, uh, for me, was up there. I know I'm forgetting one or two, I'm sure. But, yeah, I, I've already got Will there slipping Jimmy. So there you go. There's your kicker talk, Tim. I know you were you were enthralled by that. I'm sorry. Did you say something? I've been locked out for the last 11 minutes. I, I heard a kicker question. Oh, I can go. I only went 11 minutes on a kicker? Oh, damn. I kept it short. I'm on Twitter looking for the Savannah tweet while you talk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Travis with the whole Savannah. With- yeah. She's she's recruiting kickers these days out at the University uh, of Hawaii. So, you know, she's busy. Press she's busy. Press big, lady. big official visit weekend coming up out in uh, Honolulu. They're a little different out there, you know. But uh, Spike 80DF here in the mailbag. Um, <laughs> who is the poster, poster you are most glad to see make? the switch over and which poster do you wish would have stayed on the other site Tim? i'm definitely not doing that they uh oh that's all you i'll uh i've been really i'm not gonna name one but i've been extremely happy to see dozens of guys 
Uh, a lot were waiting on us. You know, they were, <laughs> we're getting welcomed by guys from BAM Online, from 24-7 BAM Online. We're getting like, what took you so long? You know, again, Shannon teased it. You know, we knew, I think you've, if you've been with Travis and myself and no lucky since the rivals days, you've known what was coming. There's no surprise to you. You knew it was coming by the way Shannon was acting. Travis and I, you know, we're very quiet on the subject. We're not, you know, we're one to, we work out our contract, all respect to CBS. They did us well. No problem there. Um, our choice was to go where we felt most comfortable. It had nothing to do with anybody else. But if you've been with us since Rivals, you've already been down this road. Now, if you picked up us with 24-7, you might be a little, you know, a little bit more confused. But um, it was good to see posters already here waiting on us. And it's good to see posters coming over. My favorite was one of the, you know, the longtime posters that said, like, crap, I was out of town for a week, come back, and you're gone. You know, you know, because we didn't really make an announcement till the morning of us leaving the 31st out of respect. And, you know, we wanted the fans to know, the subs to know where we uh, we were going. So I don't really – I have a lot of favorites. I'm not going to – you know, I'm not going to mention one because 20 are going to yell at me in my PMs or text. And I haven't really seen a poster over here that I was like, I wish no. they came. You know, they've Agree. been – you know, I've only been – hey, we've only been here two weeks. Let's, let us sort it through. So I'm happy to have all of them. I know that's a little tongue-in-cheek and his gift's pretty funny. But yeah, uh, yeah, but not yeah. I'm good so far. Well, what about that username? Wow. Hey, big Bama boy in the mailbag uh, asked, can you discuss the additions of Jalen Key and Traumos a bit more? Are they warm bodies to fill the roles left behind, or do they really possess the necessary skill to go against the best wide receivers that Bama will see, given that they are from lower classification, non-power five? Situation. I talked about this earlier. I watched a good bit of Jalen Key here recently against LSU from last season. He had 12 tackles, came off the bench to do that. Um, he looks like a true safety type to me, more along the lines of, say, Jordan Battle, DeMarco Hellams. I didn't really see him play star or money or those spots. I'm not saying he hasn't or he couldn't. Uh, and with Amos, I watched him against Houston in the bowl game back in December for Louisiana. Uh, and they manned him up on, on Tank Dell, a third-round pick in the NFL draft here recently. You know, Dell got him for a short touchdown in that game, Tim, but Dell ended that game with six catches for 44 yards, and a lot of that came with Trey Amos playing some man coverage. So, no, I don't think any of the either of these guys, Tim, are warm bodies. That That just doesn't go with what Nick Saban's thinking is when he goes to the transfer portal for players in general, does it? Uh, I agree. And you look at the other guys, Marshall's definitely in the mix at linebacker. You got Dupree's definitely in the mix at tight end. And uh, Tyler Buckner, who's in the mix at quarterback. They don't really bring in backup player. I mean, I think I think that some could end up backup, but I think in the portal, I was told early on, any transfer we're looking for starter, that doesn't necessarily mean he's definitely going to be a starter. You might have a freshman beat him out or another transfer or whatever, but they're thinking starter. They're not thinking, hey, we need a third team you know, you know, linebacker to come in here, though. But I do know that Jalen Key was a hot commodity, and uh, Amos had a lot of people talking about him. I've talked, I knew some people that had coached him uh, in college, and they, they talked a lot about him. So I think they're both good gets, both impact guys that I think are going to play, you know, pretty early. They're going to be out there pretty early, I think. I like Amos having a couple of years of eligibility remaining, too. I mean, he's not just a one-year guy, potentially. Uh, he, you could have him 
for two. Uh, Rec Zone here in the mailbag says True Detective for him is the top HBO show and season four is in the works. He says the worst HBO Max show of all time is Bama Rush and it's not even close. Of course, that was the recent documentary on Sorority Rush at the University of Alabama. Haven't watched that one yet, Tim, because I lived it a couple of years ago. So I'm I'm okay for the time being. <laughs> I have a 16-year-old daughter. I'm not watching that. I'm not going to have nightmares for additional three years. Oh, and that's before you start writing the checks. True Detective, yeah. sure. Season one is by far. I mean, it is. I can't. It is by far. with You know, because it kind of set the mode, mode, I think, the mold for one, for many series, right? I mean, there's been other, but I can't think. I mean, I know there's been, you know, ones like Roots and all. You know, back in the day, there was many series. But this is the one that, like, one season, ten episodes, done wiped our hands of it this kind of set the mold now we've seen a lot of them uh true detective one is always going to be my favorite i mean it's just the the writing the acting the setting i mean the everything i know the subject matters you know not the you know it's kind of cringe obviously but i mean it's by far season two i don't know what they what they there you can't get the girl from notebook and make her an la gangster detective um so- Season three, I thought was underappreciated. So if he's talking season one, zero chance. It's not number one in my book. Season two, I mean, it's it was bad to me, like really bad. Like I went back and watched it because they were like, it's not as bad as you think. You're right. It's way worse than I thought. <laughs> it is freaking terrible. It was awful. It's just the dumbest thing and had big names in it. But I am super excited about season four. You know, something else on the side note, I love the American Horror Story series. Have you ever seen any of those? Nope. I have not. Kardashian in the next one. I don't Uh know. And they they are good. If you like horror and you like, uh, you know, the the cast for that is really good. And different years. I mean, every year's, you know, it's kind of unique because that it's a lot of the same actors, but every season's a different entity. It's its own little mini series, but they use some of the actors for different roles. Um, but it's been really good. I mean, some seasons are obviously better than others, but I was, I was, when I was in Europe, I looked up and it said Kim Kardashian was preparing for her role in American Horror Story. So I was kind of, kind of blown away with that, but that season's coming out too. There you go. I agree. Boy, season one, a true detective, captivating and intense, um, tremendous in, in every way. Um, were, were those guys in that one. So Dr. Back here in the mailbag, as we get out of here, Tim says he was missing us. So he made the move over to on three Dr. Back. That's exactly what we like to hear. Right. Yeah. I'm glad. I mean, I, I mean, not, I mean, I know, obviously I'm heavily involved with the site, so I've got a bias in this, but if you're telling me there's a site covering Alabama sports better right now than we are, I, you know, I would disagree. I just think the guys are come together and it couldn't be a better group of guys. I know it sounds corny saying it, but it's, it's easy to see how everyone gets along and text messages and, and the zoom calls we've had and talk. And it's just been very easy. You know, we all got our little niche and uh, we're definitely glad to have Dr. Back. We missed you too. Although it's only been like two weeks, but we did miss you for two weeks. We did. Absolutely. And we missed everyone since we were last here on the Bama online podcast, but uh, I think we're at the end of our time for this one, Tim. You got anything else? No, it's good. I feel it's good. I like the, uh, the mailbag. You guys are doing a fantastic crushing the mailbag. You guys it's yeah. Y'all give us so much. Usually 
in the past, we probably spent 10 minutes on the mailbag and we just, you know, half the show today. Yeah. Air old man talk for 50. And then now you guys are making us go half and half. So pretty excited. We appreciate y'all doing, keep it coming. Um, just great stuff. Yeah, and a lot of great coverage for you right now at BamaOnline.com. I said it earlier in the show. Great, great feature on Justice Haynes from Charlie Potter. You want to check that out. Of course, Clint Lamb, Jimmy Stein, uh, boy, Andrew Bone, Joseph Hastings out in Cali at the Elite 11, Tim Watts, myself. We are thrilled to have you with us at BamaOnline.com. Be sure to hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice. For Alabama fans around the globe. Enjoyed it, Tim. Yeah, have a good one. Talk to you next week. For Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. Until next time, so long, everybody.